0: Make God's Word the standard for your life. The glory of God in the face of Christ is an open field for every willing heart to participate in the divine life produced by the death and resurrection power of Jesus. 1 John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. The world around you may say that's impossible. But by understanding the divine life and yielding to the Holy Spirit daily, He'll help us to live as Christ did. Adonai desires to make the humankind more like Christ. It's not an event. It's a daily walk. Are you willing? Let's listen to today's message.
1: Revelation chapter 19 from verse 6 to 10. Revelation 19, 6 to 10. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, "Hallelujah," For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, the marriage of the Lamb. There's, there's a perfect picture of a human figure drawn in the Bible in both the New and the Old Testament, but m- more vividly in the New Testament. And this human figure primarily consists of two major parts, which is the head and the body the body referring to all other parts apart from the head. So in the Old Testament, you see this picture. And in the New Testament, it's even clearer. The picture of the head and the body. This is very central to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we will explore in this series. Now, in the Bible, the book of Ephesians primarily describes the body. Ephesians is the book, if you really want to get the revelation of the, the body that is described in the Bible. I believe the book of Ephesians, written by the Apostle Paul, does a great job of depicting what the body really is. And Colossians, also written by Paul, focuses on the head. So Colossians describes the head and Ephesians describes the church. So you put Ephesians and Colossians together and you have the whole body or the full body of the, the picture that the Bible paints But what is the body, and what is the head? In brief, the body is representative of the church, and the head is Christ himself. So Christ Jesus is symbolically represented by the head. He he is the head, and the church, to a larger extent, the wife of Christ, is the body. So you put the two together and you have Christ the head, the church, the body, then you have the picture of the man that is being described in the bible this is very key it's foundational it's fundamental to understanding the truth of the gospel that christ is the head the church is the body and the two put together become one man one man one single man so christ and the church are not disjointed it's not as though christ exists alone and the church also exists alone no Christ and the church form one man. Now, understanding this truth is very important to a believer's walk in Christ. And this is something I've been studying for the past seven to eight years of my life. And each time I pick up my notes, I learn something new. It is very important, very foundational to understanding the walk of the believer in Christ Jesus and understanding the identity of a believer and walking in the counsel of God. So, the marriage of the lamb. Why lamb? Now, it's interesting to know that Jesus Christ is the shepherd, but he's also the lamb. How do we explain this? Jesus calls himself the shepherd, but at the same time, he is the lamb. Now, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says that, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is the shepherd. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that explain this. In John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, we read about Jesus describing the attitude of of, of the thief, which is the devil, the enemy, and he says that the devil does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he had come to give us life and life in abundance. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Christ is the shepherd. He is the good shepherd. David writes about him in Psalm 23, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. And he says, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over, and all the days of my life, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Christ Jesus is the shepherd. He is the one who leads the sheep. And think about this. He is the head. Whatever the head thinks, the body does. The head is the center of the, the, the entire human system. And as we delve more into this, I believe scripture is going to present the truth of the word of God. So in Revelation, even in eternities, the shepherd becomes a lamp. What does this mean? Why is Jesus Christ the shepherd also the lamp? I believe the lamp speaks of two things, two primary things. Number one, he is the lamb because the lamb speaks of his lowliness. He had power to lay down his life and pick it up. And in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, the Bible says that he was oppressed and he was afflicted and he did not open his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. He did not open his mouth. That is the lowliness of Christ. That is how low he can go to rid himself of his glory and of his crown. So the shepherd becoming the lamb, think about it in this way. The shepherd is the leader. He's the one who calls the shot. He is the one who decides where to go, what to do. So in effect, he controls the sheep. Now, when the shepherd takes the place of the sheep, which is that the shepherd now becomes helpless. The shepherd now gives his life away. Now that is profound. So Christ Jesus was led as a lamb. The shepherd was taken to the slaughter and he did not open his mouth. That is representative of his lowliness. In Matthew chapter 28, 29 and 30, the Bible says, Jesus proclaimed, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, which means I am meek. And I am lowly in spirit, and you will find rest for your souls. And he says, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And because of this, learn from me, come to me, I will give you rest. Because I am meek, I am lowly in, in, in spirit. And this is very important to understanding the relationship a believer has with Christ. See, we are not following a shepherd who rules with some sort of draconian principles. In Hebrews, the Bible says that Hebrews 4, that we do not have a high priest who cannot relate with us, who who cannot understand our weaknesses. But in fact, we have one who has been tried and tempted in all manner of situations, yet he was found sinless. So we we have this kind of leader who is able to relate with us because he's able to go low, to bring himself down, and be like us, and even go beyond that, fall beneath being a human. So Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, when he wrote to the Philippians, he says that, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind and he says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each one of you look out not only for their own interests, but also for others. And then finally, he begins to go deeper by saying, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. What, what mind? The mind of Christ as. The leader going low, displaying his lowliness, his meekness. He says he was in every form God, but he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon himself the form of a bond servant. And he came in the likeness of man. And even after coming in the likeness of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which is exactly what the prophet Isaiah prophesied. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, that he was led like a sheep. He did not open his mouth. He humbled himself to the death, a shameful death on the cross. And because of that, God has also highly exalted him. And he has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Everywhere, in all creation, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. So that is the, the, the lowliness of Jesus. Now the shepherd becoming the sheep also speaks of the great substitution. So in other words, the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross. In first Peter chapter two, verse 24, the Bible says that for he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And Peter says, for you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So he reached out to us. He reconciled us to himself. He bore our saints in his own body on the cross. So the shepherd taking the place of um, the sheep is representative of two things. One, the lowliness of Christ. And two, the substitutionary work of Christ on the cross. Now, God's eternal intention from before the beginning of time has always been marriage, marriage, marriage. Marriage is so key and central to the plan of God, to the intention of God, that in every book of the Bible, you'd see a picture of marriage, marriage, marriage. Actually, Christ is coming to marry the bride the church, but the church is not ready. In Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 8, the Bible says that, for we have a little sister and she has no breast. What shall we do for her in the day when she is spoken for? The little sister is the church. The breast speaks of feeding the word, the word of God, understanding the word of God, clothing ourselves with the truth of God. So we have a little sister, the church, but she has no breast. She is entangled in other things. She, she, she's not full of the truth of God. She has not understood the ways of the Lord. What shall we do for our little sister on the day when she's spoken for? On the day when she's spoken for is a typology of the marriage between Christ and his wife. So this little sister isn't ready. She has no breast. What shall we do for her at the appearance of her husband? of the one who has betrothed her. That's a revelation of the church. Song of Solomon is actually one of the most spiritual books of the Bible. It has the fingerprints of God, just like any other book of God. It is not merely some romantic poem written in the Bible, no. It speaks a lot about Christ and his bride. So the marriage of the Lamb is at the apex of biblical revelation and understanding of the principles of God, and everything in the Bible typifies this marriage that we are waiting. For example, in the book of Genesis, we read that on the fourth day, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's it. That's all we we, we read about. But when you read Psalm 19, you would find out that even when God was making the sun, even when He was making the moon and the stars. He was telling us something about the marriage between his son, Christ Jesus, and the bride, the church. Now, in Psalm 19, from verse 1 to 6, the Bible says that, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day-to-day uttereth speech, and night-to-night revealed knowledge. There is no speech, nor language, where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them... Has he also set a tabernacle for the Son, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing as a strong man to run his race? So in creation, even in creation, God depicts the marriage between Christ Jesus and the church. The Bible says that God has set a tabernacle for the Son, S-U-N, Son, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoicing to as a strong man to run his race. So in the morning, at the appearance of the sun, it is as though God is whispering to men that, hey, this is exactly how it's going to happen. When the sun comes out from the east, it shows how strong it is. It's rejoicing. It pops out of its chamber. It is exactly how the Son of man is going to appear, that the Son of man is going to come strong. The sun hits everything under it strong. It announces its presence. You don't have to be told that the sun is here. You feel it, you see it, it cuts into your room, wherever you are. And that's exactly the picture of a husband or a a bridegroom ready, willing to run his race, to meet his wife. So, in typology, we know that Jesus is the son. Jesus is like the son that comes out of his chamber and rejoices to receive his bride. But his bride is not ready. How do we know this? Because in the Bible, in typology... We know that Jesus is the Son of Righteousness, Son, S-U-N. Because in Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. And then it says, But to you who fear my name. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall fed cows. So, Jesus, in typology, is the Son of Righteousness. In Psalm 84, verses 10, 11, and 12, the Bible says that for a day in your court is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness, for the Lord God is a Son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. So the Lord is a sun, the Lord is a shield. So in typology, Christ Jesus is the sun. The church, his bride, is the moon, reflecting the light of the sun. The church has no light on its own. Without Christ, the church becomes nothing. So the church becomes the moon reflecting the light of the sun, which is Christ. You take the light of the sun out, and there's total darkness. You take Christ out of the church, and you have no church. You have a fan club. You have a social gathering, just like any other. So in Philippians chapter 2 from verse 12, when Paul was writing to the Philippians, he said, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now, even much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom ye shine as lights of the world. Now, we know that the sun shines in the day, but the moon shines in the night. Currently, we are in the dark hours. We We are in the night. The church is in the night. And this is very important. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, (laughs) you should know that you're living in the night. Your life here on earth is not in the day. The day is the kingdom era. The day is when Christ will assume complete, total control of everything. The day is when the believer shall reign with his Lord Christ Jesus. The day will happen when the bride of Christ is finally married to her husband, Christ Jesus. Now, we're living in the dark nights. We are living in the nights. We're living in in dark periods. Look around you and you would notice this. So if you're a believer and your only hope, your only success, your only joy is here and now in this world, (laughs) you're on the wrong path. You are not on the narrow path. You're on the broad way. It leads to death. To be a Christian and not know that these times, these days are not the only days you have. And not be aware of your preparation. And not be aware of the coming of your husband. Is to walk as though you were drunk. Is to be without oil. Read about the parable of the ten virgins. Is to be without light. It means your light is off. How expectant are you of Christ Jesus? This is so important and important. I bet you, you can sit in a church from 1st January to 31st December and never, never in today's church and never have a sense and never have an inclination that Christ Jesus is going to come back. The husband man is going to come back. Meanwhile, there are so many parables in the Bible. Jesus gave so many parables of the kingdom. The parable of the talent. See, Jesus didn't give the talent. When when the master was traveling, he gave the talents to his servants. Not to everyone. He gave the talents to his servants. He gave the talent to people of his household. He did not go out and give people random people talents. What does that mean? Jesus has given talents to the people, the men and women of his household. You and I who call ourselves believers. We are the ones who are supposed to be expectant of the coming of the Lord. They knew that the master was going to come back how conscious, how aware are you? Are you watching? Or maybe you're praying, but you're not watching. Are you watching the times? Are you seeing what's happening? Are you entangling yourself with the affairs of the world? Are you forgetting that you are you a pilgrim? Have you left your bags and luggage at the airport in your transit country? You've forgotten that you have a destination? In Romans chapter 13, verse 11 to 14, the Bible says that, Undo this, Paul wrote to the Romans. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in revelry, and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last. So these times, when the moon is shining, the church represents the time of the night. Christ Jesus is the sun. The church is the moon. So apart from the sun and the moon, we also have the stars. What are the stars? Now, when you read Revelation chapter 1 and 2, John said that he saw the seven stars in the right hand of the Lord and the seven golden candlesticks and Jesus was in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now in Revelation chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible says, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which he saw are the seven churches Now, when you read John's letters from Christ Jesus to the seven churches in Asia Minor, namely Ephesus, Menosides, Tartira, Pergamus, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, you would see that the the letters are addressed to the angel, to the angel of the church. So, for example, in Revelation chapter 2 from verse 1, the Bible says that, To the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who do evil or who are evil. So all these letters were addressed to the angel, to the angel of the church, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, right? To the angel of the church of Pergamos, right? Now, these, these, these angels of the churches, also known as the bishops, the bishops or the representative messenger, the representative messenger, are the people that the Lord looks to They are are the signings and the ligaments of God. They are people who are representative messengers. They are remnants, I believe. So in the eyes of God, there there is the Son, Christ Jesus. There is is the moon, which is the corporate church, but there are also stars, stars. These stars are the overcomers. That even when the corporate church is not shining, even when the universal church is not Exude in the glory of god god looks to such people they are the overcomers they are the people who carry on the banner of christ they are the remnants of god i believe and i believe that every christian should try to be a star not only a moon shining in the night too the, the church universal is the moon shining the light of christ you see it on every street corner However you see it, in whatever way you see it, you hear it on the radio, if you see it on the TV, someone is bearing witness of Christ. You see it everywhere. The universal church is proclaiming the truth of God, but they are also stars. These are overcomers. These are people who do not live by codes and creeds of the church. These are people who are not merely attached to particular denomination. They are just for God. They look to God. They cry to God. Their knees are always bent. They are always seeking the face of God to do. The Bible says that the sons of Issachar understood the times and the seasons that they may know what to do. These are people who understand the times and the seasons. They, they, They monitor the tides of life. They see how society is changing. They see how people are moving away from God. And I pray that you would become a star. In the name of Jesus. Now, apart from the stars, we also have the lampstand. What's the lampstand? We read from Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. The lampstand, each lampstand represented one church in Asia Minor. So, from Ephesus to Laodicea, each lampstand that John saw was representative of one local church in Asia Minor. (coughs) So, the lampstand is representative of the local church. So we have the Moon, the Universal Church, and we have stars, the overcomers, but we also have the lampstand, the local church, in each locality, all over the world, and the lampstand actually should be the vivid representation of Christ. The lampstand must express the life of christ must must express must must demonstrate. What Christ is in each localities. God is so wise and his wisdom is unfathomable. Truly, there are voices crying out everywhere. There's the universal Church. There, is, there are local churches. There, there are overcomers everywhere, in every land, in every region. There are overcomers who are exuding the light of God. And this is how he is preparing his own bride. So, we have the Son then we have the moon, reflecting the light of the sun. Then we have stars, overcomers, representative messengers. And then we have the lampstand, which is representative of each local church in, in every locality.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Glory Field. If this message edified you, please make a personal commitment to act on it. Prioritize building a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit and never neglect prayer. He's ever willing to indwell you and make you more like Christ. We encourage you to find a community of believers who also desire to be like Christ. God's faithful. He'll order your steps in righteousness. We love you, and we agree in prayer with you to be obedient to Christ Jesus.